The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. You know, when I switched to boxer briefs, I remember saying to myself how happy I am with that decision. But I also said, you know, never say never. I might want to switch back. But you know what? I never switched back. And I'm very happy still with that decision. Welcome into the game. Mitch Fortner and Sage Williams is with us. Uh, This room I'm in is empty. Uh... Troy Coverdale uh, had to fire him. Had to get rid of him. He drinks too much Diet Coke. Can't take it anymore. Uh, No, he's actually uh, heading out to Topeka, uh, which might be slightly worse than getting fired. Uh, He is on his way to uh, Manhattan High Basketball at Topeka West tonight. That's a doubleheader coming up at approximately 6 o'clock. And then uh, David G., who knows where he is? I have no idea. I lose track of the guy. He's a wild animal. He might show up tomorrow. He might show up on Thursday. You never know. When he shows up, he'll show up. I've just kind of learned to live with it. But Sage and I are going to take care of you for a couple of hours. But uh, is Kellis ready to go? We also have Kellis Robinette, Kansas City star and Wichita Eagle. Kellis joining us via Zoom. Kellis, I appreciate you joining me so I don't have to uh, talk sports for two hours by myself. But also, I thought you put up a couple of great articles the last couple of days especially after the TCU matchup. Before we get to the K-State men, though, since you're an Austin, Texas guy, but you went to Kansas, who do you root for last night, KU or Texas? Oh, I mean, it's got to be the Hawks. You, oh. don't root for, uh, you don't root for Texas basketball. Even even Texas basketball fans don't like Texas basketball most of the time. Okay. Well, I tell you what, you know what? Texas kind of did a solid for everybody in the Big 12, especially Baylor. Like, that's kind of a love-hate thing. Like, if you're Baylor and you're even uh, even K-State, you want to see KU lose, but uh, you also kind of want a, a Texas to get one because – or Texas to take one on the chin because, well, they're going to the SEC. But I was glad Texas beat Kansas. Keeps Baylor within a game of the Big 12 conversation. It kind of keeps everybody else in that top half of the Big 12 standings and a fighting chance to compete for a championship. But, Kel, let's let's jump jump to the game on Saturday with K-State. You were there in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. The Cats get it done in Fort Worth. They take down the Horned Frogs by the final score of 75-63. to And I'll get your takeaways from this game as the Cats pretty much led from start to finish. Uh, Well, I mean, the first thing was they they caught a break for the first time maybe – all season, they caught a break. Usually when you show up to these games, you're you're expecting to hear this player, that player uh, is out for Kansas State. They're down, you know, X amount of starters. Um, going to be a rough night for them. Well, they show up to the arena this time. It turns out TCU's best player is out. One of the best scorers in the whole league isn't going to play. Well, you hear that, and all of a sudden, um, you know, Kansas State goes from maybe a four or five-point underdog to a slight favorite. Something you got to take advantage of, especially if you're uh, – team like Kansas State that's fighting to get back in the NCAA tournament picture, fighting to climb up those standings, hoping to finish in the middle of the pack. And to their credit, they got it done. They played uh, a very solid basketball game. 
really no big complaints. Uh, they looked solid on defense. They looked great on offense. And uh, the thing that stood out most to me was just that they had four guys in double figures. I don't think that's happened all season. It's been a while. Um, I couldn't really tell you when the last time it, it was that it did happen. And it just shows you that when those guys are clicking um, and you get you get good production from Mike McGurl, you get good production, even though if it's not quite double figures from Davion Bradford, Carlton Lingard coming off the bench, the team is elevated quite a degree and then go out and beat a Big 12 team by double digits on the road. And, and that's what they did. It was a very per- impressive performance from the Cats. Well, Kellis, I can tell you, actually, if you go back to the North Dakota game, K-State not only had four in double figures, they had five players in double figures in that North Dakota game. But I'm not sure it happened since then. But that was also the game that K-State finally scored in the 80s for the first time in like a whole calendar year. It took a long time for them to get there. Maybe maybe a little bit less than a calendar year when they did so on uh, November 28th, just right after Thanksgiving. We're speaking with Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagles. So in the grand scheme of things, with K-State winning two in a row, but winning on the road, and I don't put an asterisk by this win. Everybody's had the opportunity to play and have a chance to beat a team that's down one of their best players, either for an injury or for, for COVID reasons, COVID protocols. So K-State winning that, take all you can get from that victory against TCU. But in the grand scheme of things, how, how big, like where would you grade it out on how big of a win that was for the Cats? I mean, it was big. Um, I, I would say that after they lost to Mississippi and fell to 10 and 10, um, I was kind of like uh, probably most fans and thought their hopes of reaching the postseason were all but gone at that point. If they're going to play that way, I didn't see them turn around and win a bunch of big 12 games, but they get it done against Oklahoma state and they go and win a road game by 12 points in the Big 12. Um, you know, I'm with you. I don't put an asterisk by it. I think uh, a lot of TCU players stepped up and played with more energy. And, um, you know, they still could have beaten a few teams the way they played that night. So credit to Kansas State for that. I think it's a, a very important win because, <laughs> I mean, how, how many times lately has Kansas State won two games in a row in conference play? It happened once earlier this season, but it hasn't happened a ton. They haven't won three in a row since 2019 when they uh, won the whole won the whole conference. So it's been a minute. Um, and what it does is I, I think it realistically gets them back into the into the NCAA tournament picture here. They're still, you know, got a lot of work to do. But I, I've seen some sites that have them as um, the sixth team out, the sixth alternate in the field right now. It's to the point where I think if they can split these next two games against Baylor and Iowa State um, or even, even uh, sweep them and get two, all of a sudden it's – potentially more likely than not that they do reach the postseason. So a very big win for him. That has been a really interesting conversation in the last, you know, four or five weeks when K State, you know, even though they were struggling, had themselves after, you know, losing their first four games in Big Twelve play, they're still like showing up on the bubble after you after they pick up a couple of wins in Big Twelve play. And you're, you're, you're kind of scratching your chin like, wait a second, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Even right now, I still think like a, t- a team that's 12 and 10 probably shouldn't be on the horizon of potentially being an NCAA tournament team. Heck, you'll, you'll see teams with a net ranking of in the 40s not make the field and, and they get bumped for somebody else. And usually when you see teams around 500 get into the tournament, that's a 15 or 16 seed that won the MEAC, you know, so... <laughs> it's still weird that K-State has an opportunity still, a a tough chance. I mean, the odds are stacked against them, but they do have a chance to climb themselves out. So 
I, I, we, we kind of talked about this last week, but things change over a week for sure with where K-State's at right now. So eight games left in the regular season, um, and there, of course, will be a ninth when they play in the Big 12 tournament, and you would hope being a sixth-place team, maybe you'll miss, you won't have to play the first day of the tournament, um, even though actually that might actually help them if they did play in the first day and then get another Big 12 victory, but you know it all depends. But do you have a magic number? right now on the season of where K-State would probably need to reach and they would better chance than not of getting in? I think the number 17. I think if they can get to 17 wins, regardless of what it looks like, whether they win three games in Kansas City, whether they win five games in the regular season, um, to get to those 17 wins, I think if they get there, they'll have a better than not chance of getting in. And I say that because if, if they get five more wins, I mean, they're all going to be against really strong competition. Um, it, it, even though they didn't play the toughest non-conference schedule in the world, I was looking today, their, their net strength of schedule is uh, ranked 11th in the country. So that's why you see them at 12 and 10 still in the bubble conversation. Um, and more often than not, teams in this league that get to eight conference wins, get to nine conference wins, get the benefit of the doubt. They get their tickets punched to March Madness. And that's what, that's what it'll be if they can – um, get five more wins in the regular season. They'll be at nine and nine in the Big 12 standings. And uh, I, I don't see a team that goes 500 in this league getting left out. So that, that to me, if they can go five and three these last uh, eight games, I think they're probably in. They go four and four, then they're kind of playing with some fire. They're going to have to win a game in the Big 12 tournament probably. But that's, where, that's what I'm thinking. Man, that, that still just boggles my mind how K-State three or four games above 500 would still get a shot. Uh, credit to the Big 12 for being so good and giving K-State a chance, I suppose. We're speaking with Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle here on the game. A couple of guys I did want to ask about individually. The first is Nigel Pack. I think he's having really his last three games have been big for K-State, even though one of them was a loss to Ole Miss. He still had himself a nice day hitting some threes. His last three games, maybe his best group of three this year. As of right now, I know we still have eight games to go in the regular season in a Big 12 tournament to play, but would you put Nigel Pack as a first-team All-Big 12 player? I would, um, but I'm also the, the guy who's out here watching him play every single week. Um, so I'm not the guy he's got he's to impress right now. But I, I, think, I think he's got a great case. He's averaging 17 points a game. That's the most of any Kansas State player since, since Jacob Pullen was here. If you look at just Big 12 numbers, he's up right about 19 points a game, which is better than everybody else in the conference except for Ochai Abachi at KU. And he's getting national player of the year talk for putting up those kind of numbers. So, you know, I, I, I get why you would maybe go with some other players. Um, Ochai maybe plays a little bit better defense, grabs some rebounds. There are perhaps some uh, more well-balanced players in the conference, but shoot to average 17 points a game to go out and do things like score 35 against Kansas, um, average 20 in three three straight Big 12 games here. Um, it, it's impressive stuff, and, you know, it, it's going to be close. He, I think he's going to be right on the edge there. I think more than anything, the thing that will hurt him is just that, at least right now, he's on a team that's in the lower half of the Big 12 standings. And, I mean, I think back to a few years ago when Trey Young was in this conference, um, led, the, <laughs> led the entire country in points, led the entire country in assists, I don't think the, the Big 12 coaches voted him on the first team just because uh, Oklahoma went 7-11 that year. They held it against him. They didn't want to reward him. They wanted to give all the honors to team players who were on winning teams. And um, 
I mean, that, that, that just shows you uh, what that means to him. If they're not going to even vote Trey Young into that group, it could be hard for Nigel Pack. But I think his numbers are good enough. I would put him there. And the more Kansas State wins down the stretch, the better chance he's going to have. Yeah, I don't think that's right when you're voting for players just because, or you're not voting for players just because they were on a team that wasn't exactly overall a, a great team. You're not voting for the team, you're voting for the player. But that, that is kind of my fear, right? I mean, K State's sixth place, tied for sixth in the Big 12 standings, but Nigel Pack is one of the best shooters in the Big 12, one of the best scorers. And that's what people notice first, right? The way you score the basketball and how flashy you are with scoring the basketball, not so much caring about steals or rebounds or things like that so Nigel Pack I suppose is doing the right things to get that attention the Cats still need to win some games for potentially him to get there now I I got to pick on the bigs once again Uh, I I will say with the limited touches Davion Bradford and Carlton Lingard did go a combined four or five you will take that I suppose yet I would say you know Davion Bradford fouling too much uh other than that, are they slightly getting better? Can we give them just a tad bit of credit, maybe slightly doing a tad bit better? I, I think you can, yes. I give them credit. Um, I know it's a low bar to clear. We're talking about some guys who were essentially giving them nothing for a long stretch of games. They went out to Ole Miss and Kansas State's entire front court. We're talking about a combination of five, six guys who got in this game combining for four points and two rebounds, just abysmal. So to go from that to anything looks like improvement. So understand I'm not, I'm not arguing that these guys need to be all Big 12 first teamers. But the, the last two games, they really have been much more solid. Um, you know, Davion, Davion Bradford last week uh, against TCU gives you four points and a rebound against TCU. Not great by any means, but he was solid, gave you something. And then uh, I, the thing that I really like more than anything is you get Carlton Lingard coming off the bench using his seven-foot body in there to give him five points in a rebound in 13 minutes. Um, and now all of a sudden you get a three for Mishmael Masood as well. Now you're going from four points and two rebounds to, you know, now you're looking at 12, 12 points and four or five rebounds. So uh, a much more, you know, still not great by any means, but you can live with that. I think as long as everybody else is playing good, if Mike McGrill gives you a good game, if, if those bigs come in and give you just a little bit at center, then all of a sudden it's a whole different dynamic. You can win some games that you couldn't beforehand. You still obviously would like him to, to give you more. It would be great if one of them could come out and have a 10-point game, maybe have a double-double. That would really elevate this team uh, even more than they already are. Um, but I, I honestly liked what they got from those guys the last two games. Um, I, I think I think Kansas State can live with that. Um, the, the thing I didn't like is when they tried to put anybody else on the floor at the five. Um, things just kind of unraveled there. So the key now is going to be, can they get to a point where they play Davion and Carlton just about, you know, 40, 40 combined minutes a game, 30 minutes a game, something like that. That's what they're going to be needing to aim for. Yeah, unfortunately, Casey Ziegler is a moving screen. That is basically his life is uh, setting moving screens. And then, yeah, Carl or uh, all ish Masood. Yeah, he's not exactly a paint guy, but I, I would agree. I think Carlton Lingard is like gradually, you know, step by step getting better as he's getting more experience. I know Davion Bradford's been getting banged up, but limited touches, if he's not missing a shot, clean up the fouls, I suppose I'll take his four points and two for two from the floor. We'll take a timeout with Kellis Robinette here on the game, and when we come back, 
We'll get a couple thoughts here. One, how does he feel about the Thad Ward hiring as a new wide receiver coach? And uh, if Kels was to compete in the Winter Olympics, what would be his event? That's up next. Oh, Chris Beard, what a line last night. As we're back with Kellis Robinette here on the game, I'm Mitch Fortner, Sage Williams running the show today. Kellis, Chris Beard said last night, I believe we're a Final Four contender, hashtag hook em. Well, That's the hashtag added by Longhorns Country there. Uh, agree or disagree, Kellis? Hey, sorry there. I was, on mute. <laughs> I, I was um, about to say something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a pretty strong disagree for yeah. me. I'm I'm not sold on Texas yet. Yeah, they beat Kansas at home last night, but they're pretty lucky to do it. Um, if they don't get a banked in three, they don't win. If Kansas doesn't screw up that play that was wide open where Ochai tries to lob it to David McCormick, they don't win. Um, they're really no match for Texas Tech. Lost at home to Kansas State. I mean, they're a good team. They play good defense, but their offense is just so hit or miss. I don't see them going going that far. And, um, you know, I'll be surprised, honestly, if they win more than 10 or 11 games in the conference. I uh, I, like, I like Chris Beard. I think he's going to do good things at Texas, but he's still got a little little ways to go in my mind. Got to say, pretty entertaining games, though, last night. Watching Virginia upset Duke at Cameron Indoor and then pretty much leading since the 10-minute mark. That was a, a very entertaining game. That three that went in towards the end there was a, a hell of a shot and Duke falls to 19 and three but Kansas is 19 and three as well where's Texas at and uh, they're number 20 they're down there a little bit 17 and six is their record well the cats are uh, 12 and 10 that's the k-state men right now but Kellis, I do want to ask you a k-state football question and that's about the hiring of Thad Ward he comes over after being the pass game coordinator and also working with the wide receivers at Temple I gave it a thumbs up. Uh, Wyatt Thompson, uh, Derek Young, they've all given it a thumbs up. Are you going to be the fourth here on the show to give the hiring a thumbs up that was done by Coach Kleiman? <laughs> I mean, um, pretty much have to. Uh, there's really no reason to give it a thumbs down. Um, I thought about saying that just for comedic effect. But but no, he, uh, he, he comes in highly recommended. He's got two decades of coaching experience. Um, and he, he's got experience recruiting, got experience coaching. And I, I think he could be a real fresh uh, breath of fresh air at that position. Um, nothing against Jason Ray or Courtney, Courtney Messingham. I thought they're both both good people and did some good things at Kansas State. But um, the the level that they recruited at at that position uh, since they came in and took over was, uh, you know, a little bit lower than, you, than you'd like. Pretty much all the guys who come in and – uh, caught big passes for Kansas State under Chris Kleiman have all been Bill Snyder uh, holdovers or transfers. Um, there's not been anybody really come through the high school ranks. They recruited and step up and be this really go-to guy. Um, so maybe Thad Ward is the the coach to bring that out of him to identify a few more players in the recruiting trail and bring them in. Um, I, I, I like it. Um, I, I think he'll he'll do just fine. Yeah, K-State did gradually get better at uh, wide receiver last year. Courtney Messingham kind of taking over that role after Jason Ray, who I was never a fan of Jason Ray, did not like the development under Jason Ray. I'm confident when I say those words. Uh, breath of fresh, fresh air. I'm, I'm pretty pumped, actually, 
about that award. He's going to be coming on the show on Monday. Uh, I just love the uh, the development track record that he does have. He has turned guys, you know, these three star type of guys, two or three star guys, and a wide receiver and at running back at, at numerous places, and he's turned them into all conference type of players. He had a running back that was the best in the country at yards per carry. So I I'm quite encouraged by his track record, and uh, we'll also see what he can do recruiting. I don't really know much about his recruiting chops. That's not really my area of expertise, but from what I understand, it was pretty solid as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the two things I would uh, add to that, are I, I like the fact that he's a versatile coach, right? Um, he's coached running backs before. He's coached wide receivers before. That tells me that he knows how an entire offense works. Um, he's not going to come in and just be specialized in any one thing. He'll know how to help the receivers block. He'll know how to help them do end arounds. He'll know how to help them get open. Um, and like you said, hopefully he'll help them develop a little bit more than we've seen in the past. So that's encouraging. And, uh, you know, I don't know a ton about his recruiting um, either, but he's clearly gotten some some good players over the years. And I thought it was telling that in Chris Kleiman's statement about him when they announced the hiring, that was the first thing he said was that they really prioritized recruiting. They wanted to bring a guy in and could help him in that area as well as on-field development, as well as, um, you know, bringing the best out of players. And that's not something that he's necessarily, at least publicly said, that was uh, a real big priority for him since he's been at Kansas State. And I like to think that every staff needs one or two of those guys out there who can um, talk to high school players, network, help them, help them land a few extra guys. So I, I think you'll be able to do that. All right, Kel, so I'll give you a couple more here, a couple of fun questions, and I'll, uh, I'll let you get out of here. Uh, the governor of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt, he he took, a, I suppose, a little bit of a shot earlier today. I think it was earlier today. Maybe it was yesterday at Lincoln Riley during his State of the State address. I'm sure that was last night, if it's one of those things. But he said, can you imagine leaving a place like Norman, Oklahoma, for a place like Southern California? So I thought that brought up a good question. Would you rather live in Nor- uh, Norman, Oklahoma or Los Angeles, California? Um, yeah, that was, uh, an odd statement to say, um, I would rather Los Angeles. I think he actually said Southern California. So if you include that right. overall, I mean, I'd love San Diego, um, even more than LA, but yes, I, I would take just about any part of California over just about any part of Oklahoma. No, no offense to, uh, to, to our neighbors to the South. Yeah. Even though LA is, uh, it's much more expensive. I would imagine traffic is worse. Um, I, I'm honestly, I, yeah, I would actually pick Los Angeles, California over, uh, Norman, Oklahoma. I agree with you there, Kellis, even though I, gosh, darn it. LA does not have water burgers. Norman does. That was a factor into my decision-making. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Might have to settle in and out or just, you know, skip it altogether. Now, Kellis, the winter Olympics are going on right now. If you had to compete in a, a winter Olympic event, what would you pick? Oh, that's a great question. Not much of a winter sport athlete. I've been skiing once. Um, I can ice skate a little bit, but I would probably say curling. I'm pretty good at shuffleboard. Really? Um, yeah. Where, where, yeah where do you good shuffleboard. Where, 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 where have you played shuffleboard? Uh, well, I mean, t- I've played table shuffleboard all over i've played the like the the big shuffleboard on the ground in florida before um 
it's all pretty, pretty easy to me. And anything that does, any sports or activity that doesn't require a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, fast twitch muscles, I'm pretty good at. I've always been good at golf, bowling, ping pong, pool. Um, it's when you try to get me on a football field that I, I can't keep up with people. Um, so I, I think I could hold my own in curling. That doesn't look all that hard. So I, I, I choose that one. It's very, it's a very finesse type of sport. Curling does actually like it's the most boring sport that's so fun to watch. Curling because it's so unique. You got your sweepers that probably have great triceps. That that would be interesting to try. But there's I don't know what it's called, but I would really like to try at one point. It's like cross country skiing slash target practice. Like you, you cross country ski and then you lay down and shoot a rifle at a target. I'm like, that actually is weird as hell, but it's kind of right up my alley because I'm, I'm a good shot and I would imagine I can f- learn how to ski walk if you know what I mean. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm not sure what that's called, uh, but I've always found that one interesting. Like who, who came up with that? Who, who decided we need yeah. to uh, walk, <laughs> walk on our skis as fast as we can, and then shoot and then walk some more. It's an interesting combination, but yeah, that, that's a good one. I like that pick. Sage pop on real quick. What would you, what would be your uh, winter Olympic event what would you uh what would you go golden well I'd love to say that I'd be good at figure skating because that's my favorite event and I love figure skating but wouldn't be good at that unfortunately I guess anything having to do with skiing you all are talking about like oh I don't know how to ski I actually do know how to ski and I I love it a lot so maybe I can just barrel down the hill on on one of those you know just go as fast as I can down the hill (laughs) I'd love to try a triple axle I'd break my axle though before I figured out how to pull that one off, even though it's one of the most impressive moves I think I've ever seen. Kellis, on that, I'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you tomorrow at Bramlage Coliseum. All right. Thanks, Mitch. See you then. Kellis Robinette, the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagles here on the game. Coming up next, I put together a top ten list for y'all. Y'all, where am I from? The game. This might be my least favorite bed music we have. What is it? It's the Gorillas. Yeah, I don't like it. It's lame. How can you say that about the Gorillas? I need something heavy. I need something to pump me up. Like I want to go run through a brick wall as we come back out of the break here on the game. But isn't Take On Me like your favorite song? No, it's not my favorite <laughs> song, but even th- that would be better than this. This is Snoozeville. You stop you stop messing with Big Steve's bed music. You know, I do have some of my own, right? That hasn't been it's barely used anymore. It, I played, it's getting dusty. I played Blind and Lights in the last one. I played I play some of your beds. Don't pretend like but I But you don't. picked that one. <laughs> you know, that song hasn't been cool in two years. I love the weekend. I love the weekend too, but I like W E E K E N D. God doesn't even spell his name right. Spells it the cool way. I think it was one of my least favorite halftime shows of all time, but I understand the situation. They tried to make it as cool as possible. Maybe I'm just not as big of a weekend fan as I should have been for a show like that. I will say, though, I am pumped about this year's halftime performance. Dre, Snoop, I don't remember who's all out there, but those are the two big ones. Mary J. Blige, maybe, is another one. I'm trying, I know there's more. Eminem. I think Eminem is in there. 
uh, act like he's not a big deal. I mean, Eminem's one of the biggest rappers of all time. Uh, yeah, Dr. Dre, Snoop, jo- Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar. Okay. So. Yeah, Kendrick's is big, right? He's he's a pretty big. Yeah, uh, he's, he's still he's pretty big. humble. Yeah, pretty humble. All right, let's get to my top ten. I so Sage gave me the weirdest look when I made my open to the show, and uh, if you didn't miss it, it's gonna be on the podcast page at newsradiokman.com here in, in just a few moments as we upload the first hour. Uh, but I, I mentioned how I when I switched to boxer briefs that I I was very happy with my decision, but you never say never as I might switch back. Uh, that was in reference to what Tom Brady said earlier today, that he is happy with his decision to retire, and he's looking forward to doing things other than football, but he said never say never when asked about a potential return to the NFL next season because you know what's going to happen. Patrick Mahomes is going to get hurt next year, and then Mr. Veach is going to be on the phone and say, Tom, hey, man, we're desperate. I know you're 45, and you're getting close to needing a walker. But we need you to learn the playbook in three days. We need you to get in shape, because I know you've been eating Cheetos lately. He would never do that. But we need you out there, because we're after another AFC championship game. Not necessarily a win, we just want to host it, right? So, you know, Tom's going to be ready to go. And I know that might be what he's waiting for, but Tom, 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 man, football, put it behind you. You're already the GOAT. You have nothing to prove. Tom Brady, I have 10 ideas for you that you can do other than go back to football with your retirement. I had to throw the boring ones in there, but you know what? We're going to throw some fun ones in there as well. Let's go ahead and get this thing started with our top 10 list. Number 10. Number 10. I wanted to get this out of the way, and it's become a broadcaster. Because you know everybody that retires from the game, it doesn't matter if it's football or NBA, it always pops in their mind like, should I go into broadcasting if it's offered to me? Would I be good at it? I put it at number 10 because even though Tom Brady is a great athlete, he would be boring. He would be... He wouldn't even be close to like Tony Romo. And Tony Romo to me is the man. I actually kind of like him more as a broadcaster than I did as a Dallas Cowboy just because of his entertainment that he brings to the CBS broadcasts along with Jim Nance. I don't think Tom would make a great broadcaster. I really don't. Although, another thing, he might be actually too big. He might be too big of a name for a spot like that. He would want to do the play-by-play. Number nine. Uh, Number nine, he should become a jeweler uh, because he already knows jewelry quite well, I'm guessing. He knows how to acquire rings, right? Just needs to learn how to flip them. Number eight. Number eight, become an actor. He's already done some acting in commercials. He's in that Subway commercial very briefly, along with like Steph Curry. I think Megan Rapinoe was in one of those as well. Um, you know, wasn't bad, but I'm sure at some point he'll like, might get asked to do Saturday night live. This goes back to the whole goat thing. Tom, you are the goat in football, but you will not be the goat in acting as in athletes going to acting that has already gone to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is hilarious and he's a pretty decent actor. Like he's a convincing actor. I think he could have a great career doing that if he would actually decide to do it. He's hilarious. 
Tom Brady, I highly doubt you're hilarious. Like, you're not too bad on social media, but there's a difference between fu- being funny on social media and being funny in person. Plus, with the camera in your face, I don't know, man. I don't know. Acting is going to be tough on a guy like Tom Brady. Number seven. He should think about starting a podcast. Because not only is he an amazing football player, but he's also a big fitness guy. And if you combine that, football and fitness, fitness podcasts are actually pretty big. Like, they're very popular, but of course, so is football podcasts. And who wouldn't listen to Tom Brady talk about the glory days and also talk about fitness? That would draw an audience. Because you got the GOAT talking about his game, and I think he would be more entertaining doing a podcast because you don't have a camera interface most likely. You don't have an audience in front of you. You're just talking with somebody and recording it. It's less stressful. Where are we at? Number six. Number six. Tom Brady needs to think about getting into gaming because this is another thing I think it draws a crazy big audience. And I know Tom's not thinking about money, but just in case he is, I kind of see Tom Brady as being cheap. Like he... uh a little too cheap for how rich he is. So if you want to make a few bucks, get a gaming chair, get a PC, get some, get a camera, get a microphone, get all that, and start streaming. There are some streamers out there that make $10,000 an hour streaming video games, just playing video games. You don't have to be good. You just kind of have to be entertaining, and Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He could jump on, play Madden for a couple of hours, and make more money than some of us make in a year. A lot of us make in a year. And a lot of that actually comes from not just gaming, like you could get donations or whatever, and people can pay you, but he wouldn't make a lot of money doing that. He already has enough. Endorsements is where it's at with the gaming community, and it's only getting bigger. I mean, there are arenas being built around the country and around the world that are like 20,000 seaters specifically for gaming. Number five. Tom, I remember that one time you beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and you decided, along with the team, to have a parade in the water on boats. And you toss the Lombardi trophy from one boat to another. You are stumbling once you get to shore. You got... We all found out that day what kind of drunk you are. You are the smiley, friendly drunk. Tom, it's about time you put the Tom Brady name on a bottle of tequila. Because that day you you uh, you were drinking tequila, you admitted to it on Twitter. And if you ask Bob Stoops, and he asked Otitos, who has now teamed up with Texas, people drink alcohol in the United States. And tequila's a big one. Tom Brady tequila. I would try it. Number four. Tom, write that book, man. Write that book. The Autobiography of Tom Brady. That is entertaining in itself because it's kind of like the podcast thing, but you're going to be a bestseller if you write a book, Tom. Talk about your career in one book. Sell it for 30 bucks, and you're going to be a bestseller. Because not only would you talk about you know, your playing days, but imagine if Tom Brady like really, really opened up 
because he'll never be a podcast guy. I know he's in my top 10. He'll never be that guy. A book would probably be easier because somebody would help you out, like write it for you, you know, like a ghostwriter type of thing. But also like break down Jersey Gate when somebody stole his jersey. Deflate Gate. Get his two cents on what that whole thing was all about when the Patriots got two uh, – Two draft picks taken away. They were fined a million bucks, and Tom had to sit out for four games or whatever it was. Break that down. Bill Belichick, you know, filming other teams and stealing whatever it was, getting caught doing that. Oh, Robert Kraft going uh, to Florida for a massage. And also what the Patriots did to Tom Brady in his last season as a New England Patriot. Number three. Number three, there needs to be a Tom Brady reality show. Tom, people are stupid. There are a lot of people that watch the Kardashians and think it's just the most interesting thing on television. First of all, the name is already there, the Brady Bunch. Just have cameras, follow around your family, It could be as dumb as, oh, my God, Jeffrey, he needs to go to soccer practice, but uh, Claire, she needs to go to dance practice. And my wife is out of town. She's in Milan doing a fashion show. How am I going to juggle these two tasks? Oh, my God. People would eat that up, Tom. God, the money, the money you would make. And you can also get a little acting in there. Now we really get down to it. Number two. Number two, Tom Brady, you should think about going into the WWE. Rob Gronkowski did that. He made two appearances, two WrestleManias, and he made millions of dollars for doing nothing. He jumped off a 10-foot balcony onto a a bunch of bodies. Easy, right? And then the maniacs that I was actually at and saw Rob Gronkowski, all he did was shoulder tackle a dude. That's it. And he made millions of dollars doing that. But finally. Number one. Number one. Tom, if you're seriously thinking about once again joining up with the team when they need help, don't join them. Just buy the franchise. It's the best financial investment you can make because the value is always going up. I suppose that's going to do it for hour one of the game. Top 10 list is complete. Tom Brady, I gave you a ton of ideas, but uh, the best one, just buy a team, man. Be an owner. Make that money. Patrick Mahomes is already doing it. He's played like five years in the league. All right, coming up in hour two of the game, best of Bruce, number one song of the day, but Lincoln Riley has OU fans really stirred up. It's the game.